Uh, can you guys all hear this? Oh, yeah, I can hear it. All right, great. God, he swore so much. <laughs> that was what was cool. It still is, honestly. <laughs> Swearing will always be cool. Right? Yeah, you, people should swear more in music these days. I feel like like our, our pop stars have stopped swearing. Remember the um, anecdote from XXX to Tassio and his family being excited that there weren't swears in the posthumous album because it meant more radio play? Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> like, really that's grim. some dark shit. Yeah. <laughs> they were like super stoked that it was like clean. Jesus. Um, all right. You guys ready to get going? I'm yeah. ready. <laughs> Welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing the day we're always never forgetting. It's 9-11 in popular music. Oh my God. I <laughs> yes, you are going to stop at 9-11. <laughs> okay. Since we started this show, we've noticed that almost every musician we've covered who's lived through 9-11 has some big thoughts about that very important day. So for this year's 11th of September... Uh, we decided to take a complete survey of how 9-11 broke the brains of America's musicians, just as it broke the brains of every American in their own way. Uh, but first, let's introduce our own guest for this episode. Uh, I hope I'm not overflattering him by calling him one of the foremost commentators on the collective psychosis that is America. My colleague, my friend from Chapo Trap House, it's Matt Chrisman. Hi, Matt. Hi. How's it going? Good. <laughs> I'm ready to talk uh, steel girders and the temperatures at which they burn. That's, that's our primary. Yeah, focus this is today. all about loose change, right? Yeah, this, this is, is what I was. Yeah, we're we're just going to be talking about building seven. <laughs> yes, uh, we're just going to do a live commentary on on loose change. No, so Matt, I wanted to bring you on for this because, by your own admission, uh, you know, you've said this on on Chapo. You've said this to me personally. You don't consider yourself like the, a big follower of music, a big music. I'm not a music guy. I was the guy who in high school had movie soundtracks. That's yes. what I bought. Yeah. Uh, that is a, That's perfectly respectable. Yeah. There are I a lot know, of good songs I, on movie soundtracks. And, and it was like, it was all, it, I was just, I was always a Delathon. There was always movie soundtracks and greatest hits. I, was, I, was, I didn't want to buy albums because I was like, well, what if the other songs aren't good? Then, then I'm stuck. That's with reasonable. A, and then I'm streaming, stuck with a bunch of garbage. Streaming <laughs> culture has completely shaped its, its, uh, tentacles around taste like yours yes. you don't have to listen to a goddamn thing that you don't want to anymore that's true yeah but the reason i wanted to bring so we we've been talking about this for a while because as i said in the intro almost everybody that we cover on this has a 9-11 story so we were like we should probably compile these all one day yeah and i thought that it would make a kind of survey as to what 9-11 did to pop culture yeah and kind of that moment that that sing like perhaps no time in contemporary history has there been a singular moment that's so transitioned uh, culture and politics from one era to the other, like the, really just a hard shut on what seemed like the never-ending end of history mm -hmm. from the 1990s into some kind of unexpected new century. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I thought that this survey would uh, uh, be a, a bit of a dipstick, a concept we've been thinking about <laughs> a lot, into what happened in culture right after 9-11. And I did think, Matt, that your, uh, your particular insights about the uh, insanity of, of that time and from conversations we've had about just how 
America's mind broke after that, uh, you you would be a good person to comment on on that, even if you weren't a particular follower of music. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was around. I remember what happened, and I that was probably the period when I was most aware of music. So mm-hmm. it's 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 I, I I certainly would be more will able to talk about that time in music than the current moment. When <laughs> I have no idea what the hell any of these people are. <laughs> I, I only know new, I only get introduced to new acts when somebody's on SNL and I'm like, who the hell is that? Oh my God. And then, we'll and then I it. hear them. And I'm like, that's what, what? And well, then get excited to become a Billie Eilish fan. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Like that's the new thing. First that's, of the season. Yeah. It's going to be hot. Yeah. She's going to uh, reveal herself into the world. Did and you like? The, did you appreciate BTS through their per- performance on SNL? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Why are there so many of them? There's so many. There's too many. Everywhere you look, there's a new interesting face and hair. It's I, a, well, I mean, I didn't. I heard that they got surgery to look the same. That's what I heard. <laughs> that and, wouldn't surprise me. And also, it's just it seems like a redundancy. I I think of it as. It makes them expendable. Yeah, but it, it creates a, a tension that they're always trying to have to like fight for their place in, in the in the BTS zone. They do constantly do that thing where they kind of slide out in front of another one being like, it's my turn now. But they and they have even like rankings of like who's a better dancer, rapper, or singer. Yeah. And so you're just kind of constantly having to prove yourself in those zones. Yeah, it's great. A, it's a like a the lot Hunger of the Games. Members of, B, of um, BTS are, are doing a min max strategy to just try to be the uh, you know, reduce their stats in dancing and rapping so they can be the best singer. It's like being a three quadrant performer. <laughs> it's like if Hunger Games was a band. Yeah, yeah. What's well, not to like? About Everyone it. has their faves. Yeah, it's it's good. BTS uh, are good. <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about BTS. I mean, usually what we do to start. I'd be those, curious to hear about none of those turds were even alive yeah. during 9/11. <laughs> I would like to hear their their thoughts on 9/11, but that I don't be, think they have any. That would be a great, almost like a, a attack interviewer or like ambush interviewer thing if you got like. Uh, a four second chance on a press scrum to ask a member of the BTS uh, one question. Just be like, so, uh, uh, RM, what are your thoughts on 9-11? <laughs> I would like th- to think that at least one of them would just be, yeah, the imperial American dog uh, received a taste of his own medicine. <laughs> like what happened with Psy, if anyone remembers this, after Gangnam Style came out and was world historical hit and it was the, the bop of the year, mm-hmm. it was then revealed that Sai also had a number of anti-imperial raps about <laughs> American soldiers being torturing scumbags who deserve to die. I don't know if you guys remember this. I don't. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He we've had a whole song called like Kill Yankee Dogs or something oh like that. God, let me see if I can find this. We've only listened to like Daddy. Didn't he have a song called Daddy? Yeah. We, yeah. Kept, we kept it light with No, like, and I consider well, myself is, is a it fairly before, large casual Sai fan. Because he's a political, he is a political rapper. And Gangnam Style is like a satire right. of, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, of, of excess in, in the upper classes of soul. But yeah, he had like an anti-imperial anthem. I can't remember what the song. It was something like Die Yankee Scum I or something. I think it's like Kill that. Those Yankees. Kill Those Yankees. That's it. And, right, it, and that I, happened and it watching. was a big scandal. People were like, this guy, how dare, how dare he be on America's television? How dare you, how dare he have the most <laughs> YouTube plays? This is from 2004. Sounds vaguely Scott Storch influence. He is. Oh, he's doing like rap rock. This, yeah. this rocks. He's painted entirely. He's painted entirely gold. He oh, honestly yeah. looks like that scene in JFK. Yeah. Yes, he looks like Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, but. It was funny. Because I mean, this is this is fairly useless to watch because it's all Korean. But 
Oh, he's just smashing a tank. He has a giant yeah. tank, and he smashes it on the ground, yeah. and a bunch of tuxedoed Korean guys in the audience are hooting and hollering. And, of course, everyone got mad at it, uh, and no one realized the context of, one, this is 2004, right after the invasion of Iraq, mm-hmm. thanks to 9-11, and we were torturing people, and, you know. And also, oh, uh, you know, we've been the colonial overlord of South Korea for, like, 60 years, <laughs> and that we just kind of keep take those things for granted. Yes. No, we need our we we would want our Korean pop stars to come here and say thank you, sir. May I have another? Exactly. Yes, <laughs> we love it when your drunken uh, idiot soldiers run our kids over in tanks and don't go to jail. That happened at, yes. around the same time, I believe. There was a big scandal in South Korea where a kid got run over by a U.S. Uh, personnel, and the response was like, "Whoops, yeah, yeah, sorry about that." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus. So usually we start these episodes by saying, <laughs> "What is your? What are your like priors, or where did you start with the band?" But are we going to say where were where we, we were for 9-11? 9/11? I don't know. That might be kind of funny. <laughs> I have I have a really dark one, which is, uh, I mean, I was at school. I was doing Spanish homework on my free period first first bell. This was first quarter of freshman year. And um, look, I don't want to. Of high school. Of high school. Uh, and I, I don't want, want to, uh, um, you know, besmirch anybody's reputation. But I would say, or be sexist, but I would say the person who w- would be well considered one of the most hysterical girls <laughs> in the grade <laughs> yeah. ran into the... Uh, sort of the town crier. Yeah, ran into the uh, the cafeteria where me and my friends were working. It was like, somebody flew a, bil- a plane into the World Trade Centers. And I did not believe her. That sounded... <laughs> Too ridiculous. Believe women, Chris. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. I know. Oh, I'm sorry. I was 13. Uh, was. Uh, uh, and my initial like gallows humor response would be was to literally say, well, if nobody was in there and that nobody was getting hurt, it would be cool to watch the Twin Towers <laughs> collapse. <laughs> <laughs> like if it was some sort of like exhibition stunt. Yeah, yeah, like a controlled like you got David to see Blaine what it would look did like. it. Yeah, like a controlled demolition. Yeah, yeah. And you got to see what it looked like. I think that this is an objectively true statement. <laughs> Well, you did get to see it. I did get to see it. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. I will not comment whether or not I thought it looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> you won't go on the record I one way or the other. Record, yes. But you you would have thought that at the time. If nobody was in them. If no one was in them. Yeah. Uh, Matt? Uh, I, I mean, I was in school too, and, and we all stopped and watched TV all day. And uh, I remember having a similar, very gruesome thought when it came out about, um, when it came out about Flight 93 crashing. And, you know, how it was bound for, I think they said the White House or yeah. the cap. And I just remember thinking, God, that would have been something. <laughs> 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 that really would have been something if they'd crashed into the fucking White House. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's literally Real independent, independent station. station. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I think we all had, had some of that some of, because We're Adam the only Curtis, ones brave enough to admit it. Right. <laughs> because as Adam Curtis has pointed out. We spent the entire 90s basically willing it to happen. Yes. Yeah. So, of course, we're going to be fascinated yes. when it finally does. Yeah. Yeah. We're asking for I, it. It rules in, in Independence Day when the when the alien beams beam down on fucking L.A. And, and then the White House. And then when they show it again in Austin Powers, fooling the people in 1969 to thinking that it actually happened. Yeah. Also cool. Yes. It's powerful imagery. I yeah. do like that in L.A., uh, the, the they settle over the Capitol Records building. No, it's it's like the... The Bank of America building. It's the tall sky. The tall skyscraper. It's this one with. It's a flat top. Yeah, it's yeah. like a circle, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was well, all right. Capitol Records building is shaped like that, but the it's stack much of smaller. records. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I always thought it was the Capitol Records building, but that's much too small. Yeah, it's small. like it's like that's like fifteen floors or yeah. something. Uh-huh. It'd have been funny though if you done yeah. it there, <laughs> or just over the Hollywood side. 
Yeah. That's the thing. It's like L.A., what do you do? What do you do? That's the whole thing. There's no point. Yeah. There's no central point. So you just kind of. Uh, over the, the Bob's uh, donuts, the, do- the, you yeah. know, the boy holding the giant donut. Yeah. 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 Iconic. Iconic. How about you, Molly? Um, I was, you know, I was in school. I was 12. I am from Vermont. We were in school all day. No one talked about it. I found out from. <laughs> I found they out didn't from. Tell them, you? No, that a teacher. Teachers did not officially tell us. Yeah. That's no, it psychotic. was. It what? was nuts. Yeah. It I was guess crazy. This is the day before every kid had a cell phone, yeah. so no one. No was one had be cell phones. Texting or calling. The, the most gossipy girl in my school told me at lunch. So like this shit had been going on for hours, and in my head, the way she said it. I don't know what it was like planes flew into the Twin Towers and I thought they were empty. Like I like I just could not put two and two together that like there were people in there because I also just didn't know how New York worked of like being a a city full of buildings where people went to work. Yeah. I just thought of them as like a tourist attraction. (laughs) Like quite literally that's how like I thought it was just like cardboard boxes (laughs) and it wasn't until I got home and like my mom was home and the TV was on that I was like oh shit, this is like a huge problem. <laughs> Vermont did not, because I, I went to college in upstate New York and all my friends are from like Long Island and New Jersey and New York and they were being like pulled out of school. Yeah, like of some of their yeah. parents, like people's parents maybe were there. Like I was so removed from this shit. Like yeah. they just, did, they never made a formal announcement. It's wild. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I could have, I could have gone a long time without finding out. If what I if didn't. they had just done an experiment with this one town, like just to see how America would have been if, if we had never if, known, if we never wanted, just like let this school never tell these kids, like create a Truman Show bubble. <laughs> oh my god! And then just see what happens and see how they evolve while the rest of us are dealing with the nine eleven world. Yes, that would have been a fascinating experiment. And it could be a good movie. Yeah, Someone should write be, that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, well, these as we'll see, these musicians have had a slightly different perspective <laughs> of in their. So just to talk about the way people have written these into their histories is that it feels mostly like an obligation (laughs) because you can't, if you don't talk about nine 11, then people think that you won't care. But also usually these people were doing like fairly mundane shit or they're complaining that shows got canceled (laughs) or like albums that they put out. This happened just to reference like a who weekly bit from recent memory. The pop star Willa Ford blamed her career not succeeding on nine 11 because she dropped her second album on nine 11. Mm. and it did not go anywhere because it was like fun pop music and people didn't really want that they wanted like the rising by bruce springsteen (laughs) um so like people there's a like a commercial aspect to the interpretation of 9-11 for musicians that's really fascinating to me that it's like it it has hurt their jobs yes Uh, world had to change their album title yeah from bleed american bleed american (laughs) which had the big uh hit single uh the middle yep and which was like at the riding high right when that happened, they had to reissue the album as I think self titled because Bleed American wasn't really looking good. It's after not like 9/11. it's but it, it's not like they did it after 9-11. They came out before. It's just they, no one wants to see those no one two wants, words yeah. next to each other <laughs> yeah. while the fucking towers are still smoldering. Yeah. I mean, also the strokes, New York City cops got yeah. taken off the record. Um, which they were like super bummed about. Yeah, that song's good. <laughs> yeah, that song is amazing. Yeah. Um. So let's let's get into it. Let's start with a a, a pod fave slash. I don't think I talked about slash. And this is the the scope of this. We will talk about people that we've already talked about on the podcast who we maybe didn't get into their nine eleven perspectives because it right. was going to bring the the show down. Yes. Um. And then we've also had some requests uh from both of you of like specific artists and finding out what uh what they what their reactions were so slash was in new york 
Um, he was with his this woman was like kind of his mistress and then kind of his wife. Sure. Perla. Like kind uh, of his wife? Like <laughs> it's it, sort of a binary. He was <laughs> he was married before. Well, we could get into that. He was his married wife before. He was fully like dating this woman while he was still married and then at some point he sort of oozed into the second relationship. Uh, uh, wait, hey, wife is not a binary. It's a spectrum. Sure, sure. Um he he was in town with Michael Jackson and Michael Jackson's whole like crew because they were playing his 30th anniversary concert, which happened on September like 6th and 7th, 2001. In New York? In New York. Okay. And then they were just like chilling because I think they maybe had some other stuff to do. Um, so Slash says the whole, after they find out the whole hotel was in pandemonium. I thought the safest place was to be where we were, but Perla thought differently. She wanted out of there. She was convinced that the air was filled with toxins, True. Uh, but we couldn't get a ride out. And for some reason, a lot of Michael's dancers and background singers had convened in our room because everyone <laughs> was trapped in Manhattan with no way out. Eventually we found a limo that took us across the only bridge that was open up that point, the George Washington. And so they're, they've gotten a ride out of New York in this limo. They go to the, uh, the Poconos to a resort and that's where they like stayed the night and they said this place this place had a champagne glass for a bathtub stained Wait. How does that work? Like, you know, it's a shape like a champagne glass. Oh, like glass, a coupe, yeah. not a, a flute. Like a Dita Von Teese, like burlesque okay. bathtub. I was imagining a long, skinny bath that you just <laughs> like, got it. <laughs> in. One person can bob in it. <laughs> no, the, the other kind of, the they Leo really DiCaprio should, champagne glass. You really should get food. together and get one champagne glass style. Yes. What is this? Yeah, why, it's why does the, this beverage deserve two different ways? Yeah, we need a, an international uh, standards committee to select the yeah. champagne yeah. glass. Flute, honestly, flutes a little too tall. Yeah. Not a fan of the flute. Yeah, yeah. go with the coupe, unstable. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Coupe glass. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm glad, I'm glad we figured that out. Uh, champagne also, glass you for can make, You can make bathtubs that shape much more easily. Much, e- <laughs> much more easy. Yeah, um, stained sheets and velvet blankets on a rotating bed. Um, they went it sounded out like one of those, like one of those creepy sex resorts. Yes. yes. This also kind of sounds like Slash's style, though. Yeah, I think he was maybe a little into it, even though he wasn't. He said, everyone we interacted with was clearly scared of us, <laughs> but what scared, because these are just like normies, I yeah. guess, yeah. at this resort. But what scared us most about them was that no one was aware of the tragedy that had occurred 100 miles away. So Slash's interpretation is that none of these people know 9-11 happened, <laughs> or if they do, they don't care. Well, I could just see the couple... You're at the you're at the sex resort, and you're sitting at the end of your rotating bed watching the TV, and you're looking at the smoldering columns coming off, and you just turn to your wife and you go, you know, it's non-refundable. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're just like, I mean, what else are we gonna do? <laughs> let's get in the champagne flute. Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's squeeze. Let's squeeze into the champagne flute. Yeah. Uh, um. We talked about this a little bit before, but I, I enjoy this uh, a lot as Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. One Basically, of the greatest geniuses of our era. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, so he, at, one, at a different point, he, he's talking about his politics. And he says um, he, he basically is annoyed that anyone has tried to label him as anything like a Republican or a libertarian or what Why have you. Bother? Which he has which, the brain of a gerbil. <laughs> <laughs> which 100% of the time means that you are a conservative. Yes. yes. Yeah, there, there's no one who's not that, yes. who would anybody, talk like that. Anybody who says, unless unless you are somebody who is trying to fight off, somebody asking you, what's your tendency? Yeah, exactly. Uh, then then if you're like, I really don't have the labels on my uh, politics, you are a Republican. Yes, yeah. 
Um, but so he says he's he's talking about how annoyed he is that uh, people are trying to pigeonhole him. But he said uh, that he admired George W. Bush's handling of 9-11 and he did not disagree with our involvement in Iraq. <laughs> so wow. well, I guess we know who isn't buying peace. Yes. <laughs> um, and then later on, he talks about uh, the. Uh, the Metallica documentary, Some Kind of Monster, yeah. yep. which he participates in. And so he was, as we had referred to on our earlier pod, he was a member of Metallica. He was kicked out of Metallica rudely in New York City, yes. sent did, packing on a bus with had to no take money. A bus, bus back from New York they stole, <laughs> they stole all his nice equipment and gave him like the shitty equipment. And we're just like, you're out. Like, get the fuck I mean, out. Dave Mustaine, as we, as we conclude in that, ap- in that episode, Dave Mustaine is an idiot, but. Metallica did him dirty there. Yeah. Hurt people, hurt people. Yes, that's true. Is the, should be the um, subtitle of the Dave, Dave Mustaine's book. But he says, so he finds out somehow that uh, Metallica are making this movie and they're in like group therapy. And he is, I'm not sure who asked him if he wants to say anything. And he says he decides to do it. And he said, maybe it had something to do with the vulnerability that followed 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> so 9-11 like got him in his feelings enough to yeah. like re reconnect with yeah. Lars and I think basically tell him on camera like you really hurt my feelings man and like that feeling still continues like decades later oh, well I'm, I'm glad that uh 9-11 at least opened Dave Mustaine's heart <laughs> yeah no he's he's all soft now um to to keep the heavy metal flowing let's talk about Sebastian Bach because we talked about him a little bit a in the story. podcast but I want to read like verbatim his section on 9-11 um, because, oh my God, this guy's a horrible writer. Uh, let's let's get into it. He says, the day started like any other. Meetings in New York City. VH1 offices. A beautiful, bright, sunny morning. I was due in Manhattan at 9 a.m. to talk about some new TV show on the horizon. But on this day, there were indeed other things on the horizon. <laughs> our country, our world was about to change. For the rest of time. <laughs> Never to be the same again. Uh, I opened up the bed. So he lives in New Jersey at this time. He said, I opened up the bedroom windows. Uh, and he's Canadian. That's important. He's a, he's a transplant. Open up the bedroom windows and let the sun shine in on this glorious morning. Coffee. Started to get my bean on. <laughs> um, I don't think you read this in full this, on the Sebastian Bach episode. No, I we didn't. About I summarized it. I didn't read it. Um, Because there was so much other shit to talk about with him. Flicked on News Channel 4, New York City. All of a sudden, they showed the Twin Towers engulfed in flame and smoke. Matt Lauer explains that an airplane had somehow hit the North Tower. Uh, I sip on my coffee and watch the drama unfold. I knew one simple thing. I want my kids. The verb tenses are going crazy. (laughs) First of all, I just need to know. This is the same. This is the guy who wrote a book and then just like left bullet point notes at the end of chapters being like things that I still need to write about. And then he never did. (laughs) And those are published in the book. And it will be like getting in fight in Walmart parking lot or like like a subhead doing like doing ecstasy and having sex with triplets. And then it'll just be like a bullet point and he'll never refer to it ever again. Um, you can't leave me hanging like that, Sebastian. I know. Uh, so he drives to his kid's school and, and he goes to the principal and he says, hey, I want my kids right now. And the teachers basically tell him they're like, we should leave the kids here and have a normal day. Like, we don't want to, like, upset them further. And that was after one plane had gone in. Um, so the second plane hits and he said, I told the teachers the unbelievable news. There are no more Twin Towers. <laughs> the Twin Towers are gone. <laughs> And the, he says, uh, panic in the school office. Oh, my God. Um, so he grabs his kids. 
He said, I called my dad in Canada. We're getting the fuck out of this country. This is fucked up. I pressed, a, I pressed down on the gas with my family in the car and gunned it. We aimed the car toward Canada, but we didn't get that far. Um, he said, nobody in New Jersey or New York or the USA knew what was happening. There were guys working on my roof that day when I returned back from school with Paris and London. His kids are named Paris Jesus and London. Christ. Uh, I told them we were under nuclear attack. They flipped out, <laughs> jumped down, off the dude. roof and split. <laughs> I, I think this and the slash... Uh, stories are both emblematic of something that I think a lot of people felt and is a response to an American response to vague crisis in all things, which is that when a crisis happens, like you personally need to do something. Yeah. Like it require the fact that there is some kind of unidentifiable vague danger out there means requires a personal response. That's the classic onion from the onion article or the onion issue that came out after 9-11, you know, a woman doesn't know what else to do, so she made an American flag cake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued to know why he couldn't make it to Canada. So he, they drove for a while, and then he basically was like, I need a drink. <laughs> he, said, actually, he said, I need a fucking drink after this day that I've had. It's like he's had like a bad day. Yeah. Um, so they stop in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. <laughs> At a liquor store, sure. and then they just find a nearby hotel and they stay the night. And he he ends this anecdote, which he basically never revisits after he never revisits nine eleven again. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cool that we had turned a terrifying day into a thrilling adventure. Oh, we <laughs> driving to Pennsylvania to Stroudsburg, everyone's idea of a thrilling adventure. So thanks to nine eleven, both Slash and Sebastian Bach uh, spent the night of nine eleven in. <laughs> Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. In, in Pennsylvania. Which ironically probably, is close to, yeah. you know, where Flight 93 ended yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, they probably weren't that far from each other. Yeah. They, they could have been at the same hotel. They Maybe they just got a more family-friendly room. In they my could've. mind, they, they are. Yeah. <laughs> they could have formed a super group. <laughs> yeah, some real networking could have gone yeah. down. They could have gotten together and just, like, over the course of an evening, written an album of patriotic songs <laughs> about our resilience. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! If such a document existed, it would be uh, tremendous. Slash is basically always like down to jam, basically with whoever. He's so like, like Travis I can, Parker. yeah, he, he, I can fully see that happening. Oh, damn, he and Travis should do something. Um, Sebastian also. The only other thing he says about nine eleven is that he's convinced when he, in the process of driving uh, toward Canada, um, he hears uh, a dispatch on the radio that says we have take the U.S. has taken down a plane approaching the White House. And so he says he had heard this from a newscaster and then he had never heard it again except by conspiracy theorists. But he believes that uh, there was a plane headed for the White House that had to be taken down by the United States. That's not Flight that is, 93. That's, that's, that's not a, Flight 93. That's, well, I mean, there's still a theory that Flight 93 was shot down on, on the orders yeah. of Dick Cheney. Huh. Yeah, that's a real thing. But that doesn't that conflict with the possibility that the, the theory that uh, uh, Bush, in fact, did do 9-11? Like, why would they shoot down the planes if he did it? Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, those have to be, I, right. I have to imagine different people hold those two different ideas. Different, different theorists. Yeah. Um, so that, that's more of the hair metal side of things, um, or just metal in general. Uh, I want to talk about Moby, because holy shit, Moby's reaction to 9-11 is probably like the most unique, uh, also because it's his birthday. Um, I, <laughs> my, my mom's too. Oh, really? My yeah. my pet theory is that like Moby has never really recovered from 9-11 happening and it being his birthday. 
So um, and you, all the weird shit that he's done since. We need to do his own memoir. I'm sure yeah, he has so more you, to say. If you remember, Matt, from earlier this summer, Moby came out with a big memoir. Yeah, I remember a few stuff about grabbing or putting his balls on Donald Trump's ear. Yeah. Like sexually yeah. assaulting Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, and uh, was it? Oh, and all the weird Natalie stuff he said Portman. about Natalie Portman and stuff. Yeah. Ba- yes. Basically, it sounds like a great uh, memoir that we should do for under the show your entire ass genre of memoir writing. Yeah. And I, I think the, that's a, a special kind of treasure because not many people write those anymore. Yeah. Um, also, my favorite anecdote from the press cycle of that was um, him going on a date with a not yet famous Lana Del Rey and her hearing that he has multiple floors in his apartment and therefore she thinks that he's going to get the guillotine. <laughs> like that. I, I yeah, appreciate yeah, but she's that. She's rich too, though, isn't she? But she was then <laughs> no i thought she grew up rich that's uh, what i heard i don't know she, i don't know she I wrote just, her, the thing is i just assume at this point that any new artist i haven't heard of is like from some from like rich family. kid who like had a hobby and their parents like bought him a fucking recording studio or something because hmm. it seems like that's the case there's like 90 percent of them it's a lot of like, them. like the arts are now just a hobby for for the otherwise unemployable children of wealth i think that's a, a fair assessment the thing is, she grew up in Lake Placid, and I don't know if there are any nice houses there. <laughs> Maybe there's a few. A I couple. know Lord was rich, right? Um, Lord's mom is a uh, like the poet laureate of New Zealand. Yeah, okay, <laughs> which New Zealand might pay poets more. Yeah, but <laughs> they might have a, a better living wage for poets in yeah. in New Zealand. Paid for by like a sheep lottery. <laughs> uh, the 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 Peter Jackson Fund for National Poetry. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's talk about Moby. Um, this is from Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is an oral history. Uh, Moby said, it, it was my birthday, 9-11. That morning, of course, I was drunk from the night before, and the phone started ringing at 8-something. I remember thinking, who would call me at this ungodly hour on my birthday? It kept ringing and ringing, and I was like, oh, something bad must have happened. At that point, I hear the second plane hit the tower. I ran up on my roof. I was a mile and a half away from the Twin Towers. The only other time I'd ever experienced anything like that was watching a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. <laughs> it looked like CGI. Um, I thought this was interesting. He said, it's that thing where 99.999% of what we experience is stuff that we've already experienced. You touch a teacup and in some archetypal compartmentalized level, it reminds you of every other teacup you've touched. The weight, temperature, everything about it. Rarely do we experience anything genuinely new. I looked up and saw these huge flames billowing out of the Twin Towers and my brain couldn't process it because I couldn't figure out what was happening. Uh, and all of the other roofs of all the buildings around me were covered with people screaming and pointing. Wow, that yeah. is extremely evocative. Yeah. That is interesting about how seeing something from an action movie in real life, how mind-bending that would actually be. Yeah. Like, if you've ever seen, like, a car crash in real life, and yeah. not even a big one, a small one. Yeah. Like a, like a 15, 20-mile-an-hour, like, fender bender at an intersection. It is incredibly, like, jarring. Jarring. And upsetting just to see that amount of in-real-life violence. Yeah, or, have, you, have you guys ever seen anything explode? And on not on purpose, like not like a pyro at a at a concert, because I haven't. No. Uh, well, one time I was at a party. Uh, <laughs> it was a it was like a bonfire, uh-huh. and somebody threw a propane tank onto the fire. Ooh, no, bad idea. And it just flashed right in front of me. Holy shit! Yeah, and it just filled. All I remember was just just being overcome with light, mm-hmm. and then it was gone. So it, it did, I didn't see like the plume or anything. Yeah. I was too close, I think. Wow. Jesus. I, I, I think I maintained, I kept my, I think I kept my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, 
the first month I moved to New York, uh, I was living in West Harlem, and I uh, went into a bodega for a sandwich. And between when I went in and when I came out, the car across the street was just on fire. And I like sat there eating my sandwich, watching a car on fire. And the only thing I could think of was if this was a movie, that car would definitely have exploded. Of course. For right. how long it has been on fire. Yes. Uh, and then I, I had that. It was also a very surreal feeling. Again, the surreal feeling of seeing like in real life, like I, I guess you call that violence or, or like destruction or something. Yeah. That I just sat and watched this car burn for a while. And at a certain point, I had to be like, I guess I'm done watching this car burn and like walk away from it, you know? Yeah, no finality. Yeah. So does he talk about like sitting at his table with like his birthday cake in front of him with a little hat on <laughs> with the towers burning behind yeah. him? That should have been his next album cover. Oh my god, yeah. Uh it's unfortunate that he didn't he didn't choose to incorporate it in that way. Um yeah, no, 9/11 fuck Moby up. He basically then just talks about how like I mean, I think that this is a good excuse to talk about like people who musicians who experienced 9-11 who were in new york maybe for like work or something or just who mm-hmm. weren't in there at all versus like meet me in the bathroom is about people who live in new york and most of them saw 9-11 with their actual eyeballs and just like the way they reacted to it seems way more obviously personal than just someone yes. being like oh i was gonna have a meeting with vh1 <laughs> in midtown and then i like didn't go to that but then the other funny thing about all the meet me in the bathroom people people is that they're all such um, like drug-addled shitheads, degenerates, yeah. that they're like, though of the people we've covered, they are the, the most reliable eyewitness sources eyewitness sources for 9-11. They are also like the people whose opinions or takes on such an event are like the least valuable. Right. Especially it's not like, oh yeah, I knew like all, all my friends were like going to work that day. No one was going to work. <laughs> I'm, yes. No one. People were like bartending starting at like 10 that night. I'm sure at least one of the strokes had the thought, damn, I wonder if this is going to make it harder to get Coke in New York now. <laughs> um, the the other anecdote from this uh, is uh, Tune Day from uh, TV, the on the TV on the radio saying they were watching it from Brooklyn. That was the other thing is like there were the Manhattan people and the Brooklyn people. So they, they said they all, we all walked down onto Grand Street in Williamsburg and we all stopped there and we we're just staring at it uh, when this guy walked by us. If this were a movie, this guy would be foreshadowing the next 15 years. He's got, got a briefcase and tie. He's a little bit older than us and he's like, oh my God, a lot of clients of mine were in that building. I probably just lost a lot of clients. <laughs> <laughs> and we all looked at him and before we realized what was happening, we were holding Dave Sytek back because he was about to beat the shit out of this guy. <laughs> they, they like pinpointed this moment of like, I think it was Mark Marin in the book who says that 9-11 kind of stopped. New York would be the way it is right now way sooner if it wasn't for 9-11. Mm-hmm. It kind of got to like extend the lifespan of like the last gasp of grunginess and non-gentrification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like for a while that just like wasn't happening. And because everyone they were thought there was going to be another attack. And yeah. It was like this is just this is just like a disaster waiting to happen. And yeah, half downtown was just a billowing cancer cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that means clearly we need another 9-11. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we got to. If gotta you want to bring progress. down these rents, folks, yeah, there's gonna have to be another 9/11. I don't like it, but I don't <laughs> see another option because uh, uh, we know that, like, uh, you know, economic collapse doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that natural no. disasters like Hurricane Sandy, exactly, which closed down the sub with subway in ways yeah. that we're still feeling. The, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking wiped out half of Staten Island and, yeah. and stuff. That didn't do it. Yeah, you need 9/11 <laughs> to make the city livable again. Yeah. I'm not saying do 9 11, 
This is like the Raja Ghoul from Batman Begins theory of urban development. Yeah. A plague must come yeah. and wipe out the degeneracy. Yeah. <laughs> wipe out the combination of vegan donut shop yoga studios. <laughs> um, Mr. Wayne, the rents are indeed too damn high. <laughs> the, to, to turn a little bit uh, in focus... Um, I thought one of the earlier books that we did for this podcast was Destiny's Child's uh, 2002, um, technically an, Me- an autobiography. Yeah, essentially yeah, a, they, they an elaborate. They were sitting down writing that shit. Yeah. Um, just imagining Beyonce just typing away on a Smith Corona. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hang, concept of this book was basically uh, to, to solidify the the final lineup of Destiny's Child and like introduce them it's as like, that, these are the real band. Don't 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 pay no attention to all those other people. The other two women who are in it, right, Molly? Well, they were actually about to take a hiatus, more or less. Oh, okay. Like it was two thousand two, and they I can't remember what the album. I think maybe Survivor, and then um, Beyonce was about to be in her Austin Powers movie. Uh, Michelle was going to take a break and do some gospel music, which I think she's still doing. Uh, they got together again one more time, but this was kind of like a don't worry, everything's fine. We all have our own individual projects, but we still love each other and you, the fans. <laughs> like that was the book. But their their response to 9-11 was interesting. Um, <laughs> c- uh, the chapter kicks off and it's Kelly Kelly Rowland saying, one, uh, one day that I will never ever be able to forget is 9-11. <laughs> As you do. Um, they were in L.A. for the Latin Grammys for some reason. Sure. Um, but their family was like across the country. They all talked about praying. Um, this is where like the religious aspect kind of comes in. Kelly said that he, uh, she found out from Lance Bass, who two-wayed her, which I believe that's a pager, right? Yes. He pa- Lance Bass paged Kelly Rowland and said 9-11 happened. <laughs> How do you think he conveyed that? Because in Pedro, you hey, get like three words most, right? Nine one one. You're done. Nine eleven happened. That's three words. I do, it's. I wish no, it's I could two, be a fly on the wall. Or two yeah. words. Yeah. Lance Bass to Kelly Rowland. We've been attacked. And she also, when she refers to Lance Bass, she she calls him my boy, but not my boyfriend, despite what the tabloids claim. Uh, of course. So apparently, they used to be rumored to be dating, and now he's a uh, gay icon, Lance Bass. Sure. Of course. I mean, was there ever a doubt? They had to keep it up for like the entirety of the '90s. I knew he was gay. You just want, you watch them, and you're like, "That's the gay guy." <laughs> I was, I mean, I was like a child and an NSYNC fan, and I didn't know how one could like. It, there were just so much. Me- That's why BTS is great. There's just so many boys. Like, how can you look at them and be like, "Ah, yes." There's just the male energy is so pervasive that you don't still, have to get into specifics. I, I still do believe that NSYNC was created in a vat. For the very simple reason yeah. that the fat one's name is Joey Fat One. <laughs> yes. What is the likelihood of that just happening? Unless unless naming is destiny. Like he was like, your name is Joey Fat One. He's like, all right. And he just starts eating. How else do you explain that? <laughs> well, especially since he could have gone through his life and not have been the fattest one. Exactly. In it. You know what I mean? He's not that fat. He's no. really fat compared to the rest of them. Yeah. I think the energy overall was was kind of gay. Well, of course. They, yeah. they, wa- they walked so outfits. One Direction could could fly. 
And so Lance Bass could, could, could go, go to, to the moon. Space. Yeah. Harry, and that one, you know, Harry Styles is the gay and spa- one. Space is gay. That's how we should. When when Lance got interested in space. going to space. Yeah. That's when we should. I can't remember which came out first. Space is incredibly gay. Space is super gay. But uh, and obviously Harry Styles is the gay one. But you don't even need gaydar to know that. You just know that need the fact that he dated Taylor Swift. Mm, yes. That's true. Yeah. Because as we all know, Taylor Swift is asexual. Just like Donald Trump. And she only dates guys for arrangement purposes yes. to yeah. like, you know, Keep them from people from knowing they're gay, and to manage her per, her public personality exactly, and yeah. to you know for some song ideas exactly yeah. So is Jake Gyllenhaal gay then? That's the rumor. Yeah, there's a, yeah, that's a very pervasive Hollywood rumor that Gyllenhaal is 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 very gay. Cool, cool. Velvet Buzzsaw was good. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> but I just I, uh, I was just yeah. If you've dated Taylor Swift, you're gay. I I didn't make the rules. <laughs> yeah, no. Kelly is uh she's upset. Because they basically had to cancel uh, a major European tour uh, at post 9-11. And this bummed her out because, quote, we have so many international fans uh, that we felt we had to go thank them and see their countries. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard of a pop star tour being described this way? You're no. going to perform yeah, for money. Many, yeah. I thought the whole thing about those tours is that you don't go. You just you go don't see anything. airport to the hotel to the, to to the, the thing and then gone. You don't see shit. That's that's some K-pop shit is yeah, yeah. is being like we need to come to your country and thank you, yeah. <laughs> but also play songs for an hour and a half yeah. and then collect tickets. Yes. I what the she, fuck? I, I I think she just was about that bag. Yeah. yeah. Every they they were all um, trying to get their bags in Destiny's Child. I appreciate that because she had to know, like as you're saying, it, it was coming to the end, and Beyonce was clearly getting to the point where she was going to be a solo artist. Yeah. And they're like, oh shit. We got, oh shit! We, we gotta go we to have, Brussels. We gotta go to Brussels. <laughs> we gotta. We we have this one chance to thank Brussels and sample their <laughs> sample their wonderful uh, local cuisine. Their waffles. Their their fine. Uh, belt, their fine uh, tradition of monk based beers. Yes. <laughs> Just imagine Kelly Rowland with like a flight of uh, triples, saisons. <laughs> like, oh, this one's got a nice nutmeg. <laughs> And the, the Taliban just ruined all of that for <laughs> yes. her. Assholes. That now that's terrorism. That is I don't terror. understand though. Why don't you just go on the tour? Yes. Europeans don't care. Yeah. Right. They're, they were probably like, good, come here. Yeah. More artists for us. I mean, the, if if the nine eleven happened, they were like, damn, that's fucked up. But they were then <laughs> moving on. Yes. Yeah. It was only we were the ones who were morbidly fixated on it. Yeah. They, our every country in Europe has been bombed like in the past, yeah, you know, 10 absolutely. to 15 years. Yeah. So. Oh, the, the, oh it was you chill. got a 9-11? That, that's cute. Uh, <laughs> remember a little thing called uh, Dresden? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, you remember World War II, that old deal? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that, that I, I just thought in my no. head. No, don't do 9-11. You're so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I know. It is like. Just like that, the Kelly Rowland thing or that Destiny's Child, that, that thing of being like, well, 9-11 happened, so for some reason Destiny's Child can't tour Europe is is that like self-fixation. Like, the, there is no progression in which that makes sense. Well, no, they, they no talked causality. about going over, like the idea of going overseas was somehow scary. It's like, was well, it this a, should happen on plane? your home turf. Yeah. yeah, was there plane, was the Destiny's Child tour plane going to get a hijack? Right. They probably increased I can security. understand people freaking out about yeah commercial flights, but they weren't flying commercial. Yeah, they were chilling. Um, Michelle almost kind of low key like scolds everyone, <laughs> um, uh, just talking about how she found strength in God uh, post nine eleven. 
as she had found strength in God pre 9 11, because she's a good Christian who yeah. was into God the whole time. She said, when everything is going well, some people kind of forget about religion and they take God for granted. Ooh. But the moment something goes wrong, that's when people realize that they need to trust in God. Ultimately, capital H, he has control over everything. He flew the plane into the tower. <laughs> <laughs> that's a uh, veering desti- uh, uh, dangerously close to the uh, America deserved 9 11 stuff. I mean, basically, yeah. God chose to do 9-11 God for got a reason. Yeah. 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 Well, Michelle is not necessarily happy that everyone seemed to forget about God. Maybe, maybe she means Allah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, this is probably my favorite. Beyonce's reaction, besides being very upset uh, and praying a bunch, she so she talked about Destiny's Child. Then whips into gear. They need to get. They need to like give back, and that means doing not one but two benefit concerts, which we'll talk about nine yeah. eleven benefit concerts in a little bit. Um, they did one in DC, one in New York, and she said for the DC benefit, we sang Survivor, which we weren't going to do because we hadn't performed it in forever. We didn't have our backup dancers, and we were used to doing it as the tour version. But my dad said, you know how many people out there feel like survivors and need to hear that song? I mean, I guess technically everyone. Yeah. So yeah. Be- Beyonce is just annoyed, basically being like, we're not like tour ready for this song right now. We don't have our right production. She's a production minded yeah. bitch. And her and her dad dad's like, no, America needs to hear. Destiny's we need Child. to know that we're survivors. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, we'll get into the 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 benefit concerts in a second, but it is like just to, to talk about the, uh, the song selections for all these things are so hilarious. Like every single person is like looking at their catalog and is like, okay, what is the most ham fisted song that I can do to describe our situation? Like yeah. Tom Petty doing won't, won't back, back down. down, won't back down from what? Yeah. What terrorism <laughs> terrorism? Yeah, I guess supporting Israel and having <laughs> troops in uh, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> that's, um, that's what he had in mind when he wrote that song. Yeah. The the other song that uh, De- that Destiny Child performed the other benefit was Emotions. Mm-hmm. I don't know if either you are we familiar with that song. We did have a lot, but of I mean that's the thing. It's just Emotions uh, taking me over after nine eleven. That feel when yeah <laughs> <laughs> the second tower collapses. Um, so to move into some requests uh, from other from y'all from what artists reacted to nine eleven, if anything. Uh, Chris, you asked me about Bono. Yes. Um, Bono obviously is like, I feel like U2 is like the unofficial band of 9-11. Oh, yes. for sure. Thanks largely to their performance at the Super Bowl. I've actually got that queued up right now. Yeah. So like talk about kicking into high gear in the, the wake of terrorism. U2 is like, yeah, we grew up on this shit. Like this is our bre- We ate the shit for breakfast. Yeah with skim milk like we'll like we'll come to your country and give you whatever you want yeah. pride in the name of love yeah. so many bangers about, about the surviving a bombing or yeah something. it's why like they they were like i'm sure bono like he's a he is who he is but i imagine like in a private moment he was just like i was made for this yes. just turn i it, got this turning to this uh, is my shit to adam in the edge and being like boys our time is gone <laughs> breakfast lunch and dinner <laughs> Um, do you yeah do here's, you uh, watch? here's a little bit this I queued up to the very end for the iconic moment only Matt and I can can watch it but this is in this their Super Bowl show after the giant list of every name yeah. uh, of, of a casualty of 9-11 which is a pass. thing you need at a football game I yeah find. Uh, yeah yeah um, and people say they, they want to keep politics out of football you know absurd yes uh, so this is this is the iconic moment
American flag. The American the coach. flag in the coat. Oh my god. Oh, uh, and even the even the fucking name of this YouTube clip makes me want to punt this computer out the window. YouTube's beautiful day and Super Bowl halftime show helps heal America after 9-11. Did you feel healed after this? I man? felt healed. I felt like fucking Wolverine. <laughs> just your cuts and scrapes yeah. just coming All back. my scars went away. I remember being like 14 years old and watching this and being like, well, that's a little pandering. Yeah. No, I remember <laughs> distinctly watching this and thinking, I don't know if I said it. I think I was in mixed company, so I don't think I said it. But I definitely thought, oh, fuck you. <laughs> I definitely thought that. I remember that. Uh, it's, it's funny because, yeah, as you say, um, uh, YouTube does seem because they played at the concert for New York City or... America Heals. Which of the names of the concerts? Oh, yeah. So the be- we'll talk about the benefits. There was the concert for New York City. There was United We Stand, What More Can I Give, which was the Michael Jackson-themed uh, 9-11 benefit. And then there was America, colon, A Tribute to Heroes. I think they played it A Tribute to Heroes. They put- yes, he did. Uh, so they it's just did. like them being uh, hearing, seeing this thing happen and being like, what America needs right now is U2's help. Well, it's it's perfect because they they're not American, yeah, and so they they don't necessarily have any particular type of American baggage in that way. But they're Irish, which is such like white immigrant shit. Yeah. So it's like they might as well be American. Yes. It's perfect. Yeah. But yeah. no, that's why everyone went crazy when he revealed the American flag because he if he was American, people would be like, yeah. But him Duh. being a foreigner made it yeah. made more. Yeah, like yeah, we were being validated. Yeah, yeah. Our pain was being validated. He's kind of like a like a UN representative for yes. like yeah. the rest of the world, yeah. I guess. Ugh. Which yeah. honestly, any any foreigner who did that shit, uh, honestly, disgusting. They should have been. They should have. Like, if you had the remove to be able to be like, yeah, get over it. <laughs> you should have done that. Yes. You should not have indulged our pathetic, uh, wallowing, disgusting, patriotic. Yeah. yeah. Like at the at the Winter Olympics. Yeah. Where, where the U.S. Uh, team came out with, like, a burned flag from 9-11. <laughs> Do you yes. know that? Yeah. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. So 2002 Olympics were in Salt Lake City. Uh, and when they did the Parade of Nations at the beginning, the American team came out, and they had, like, a fireman holding a burned oh, flag yeah. on uh-huh. 9-11. And it's like, that's grotesque. I mean, you're surrounded. You're like, every other country in that uh, parade of nations has had similar traumas. None of them are just carrying them around like fucking yeah. uh, like crosses. Yeah, it's not only like, we get that privilege. Yeah, it's not like France comes out with a bunch of unexploded shells from the Battle of the Somme. Yeah, or exactly. Get the fuck over yourself. <laughs> yeah, and for Bono to 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 come and like because I, yeah, I guess the message that he's trying to do is like right now at the Super Bowl in February of two thousand two, the entire world we are all Americans, yeah. even though half of us live under the boot of yeah. American dominance. And, you, at and all they're the already revving up for just going hog wild on the rest of the world. We're already invaded. We're yes. already Afghanistan's in Afghanistan. already over. Taliban's already overthrown at that point. They're already talking about Iraq. Yeah. And you're going to validate that just uh, sickness. The Ireland, Republic of Ireland should have canceled Bono's passport. Absolutely. As soon as the, uh, as soon as the, yeah. the, the jacket was, was revealed. Yeah. Oh, you I like, I like to so think much? that regular Irish people were like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and, and God bless them for it. That is one of the things that I wish I had uh, asked when we were in Ireland. Some Irish people like, so what do you guys think about Bono? <laughs> I heard a few people and they were not complimentary. They were not complimentary. He's, uh, he's kind of doing like American face. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, Speaking of what uh, a better response might have been, 
post uh, 9-11. Madonna is kind of a real one. She had a sold she's out a, Staples Center one. show uh, on September 14th. Uh, oh, wait, no. Uh, she canceled. She originally had a show on 9-11. She canceled it that for that night. And she did it two days later. Oh, yeah. Um, which I think that's dope. Like Destiny's Child can't even go to another country. She's going to do it. Two days in in later. In, L- in LA. Oh, in LA. In LA. Two days later. Damn. And she said, she had a crowd of 18,000 people. She said, tonight I'd like to say a prayer for peace because violence begets violence. And I don't know about you, but I want to live a long and happy life and I want my kids to live a long and happy life. So she was doing kind of like an anti-interventionist thing yeah. Yeah. because George Bush was already saying, it's we like, will find you yeah, and yeah. hunt you down. Yes. Um, I don't, Madonna's definitely said some dumb shit in her life, but yeah. I think that's pretty cool. No, that is, anybody who had uh, had the wherewithal at that time to not give in to the frenzy uh, gets some credit. Yes, and yeah. we have very, very few people like her and the Dixie Chicks. It's certainly better than someone telling some poor day laborers that there had been a nuke dropped on New York. <laughs> Can you imagine those poor bastards? Yes. They spent the morning probably running around thinking that they were going to be radioactive mutants. <laughs> Until somebody's like, yeah, no, it's just, it's a, a plane. just a plane. And then they probably lost out in their fucking day's pay. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. Sebastian Bach did not finish he did not comp them, their, them their day rates. Yeah, spent all of his money on, uh, on uh, beers in, at the pool in, in Stroudsburg. In Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yes. Um, let's talk about Limp Bizkit. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Limp the, the band that made 9-11 happen. Yes. Yes. In uh, my theory. Let's start with this by just, I'm going to play a clip from the, Molly and I watched this the other day, and I didn't even really remember this. This is from Limp Bizkit's Rollin' video, and I did not remember how, uh, how World Trade Center centric this video is. So, Matt, can you describe There they are. He's getting towards his car and it's intercut with the fucking trade Twin Towers. Him getting into a Benz or something cut with the Twin Towers. It's just the Twin Towers. Wait, wait, wait. Are they on the roof of the Twin Towers? Yes, they are. I forgot it was. Oh, my God. I remember this video. I forgot it was supposed to be on the fucking roof of the Twin Towers. Holy shit. <laughs> I remember this video very clearly. Oh, they played constantly. They played constantly. And I listened to it because that song rips. It I does. forgot that that's supposed to be the top of the goddamn World Trade Center. Oh, yeah. I think it actually is a, a helicopter shot of Limp Bizkit playing at the top oh of the Oh, my Ra- God. World Trade Center. And when wow. did this come out? Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so much more of a genius than I even give myself credit Because <laughs> I had my Limp Bizkit did 9-11 theory without this knowledge. What, 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 so what is your theory? more confirmed. Well, we've talked about this, about Woodstock 99. Oh, yeah? Uh, well, share it to the pod. So... The 90s were, were, were noted for their, the idea of the end of history, the idea that there was no more great struggle, the idea that history that, 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 that we were in the last generation, basically, that mm-hmm. we were reaching a steady state of you know, liberal uh, capitalist democracy that was going to take over the whole world and, and, and end conflict in any kind of major sense. And that left a generation of young American white men mm-hmm. with this thwarted sense of purpose and steadily accruing aggression that had nowhere to be released. Yes. And no one represented... I mean, obviously, this is the era of Fight Club and stuff like that, but I feel like no, there's no more visceral representation of that than the music of Limp Bizkit. Yes. The just... The wanton, aggressive nihilism of people who really have nothing to be pissed off yes. about. Yes, uh, and none of, And that was... And the, the perfect distillation of that was their unholy, honestly kind of dark ritual performance at the end of Woodstock 99. Yes. Yes. Which led to 
the entire fucking thing getting burned down and yes. a bunch of sexual assaults to happen. Yes. Like they and and it was their iconic performance of Break Stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is a song just about the mindless need to destroy. Yes. yes. And I feel like they were begging for 9-11. <laughs> they were yeah. begging for a return to purpose through violence, through cleansing violence, all the stuff that like the national greatness conservatives talked about. And they got it. Yeah. And, yeah. and like it was an invocation. They were like, come, break stuff. Break we, stuff. We need to break stuff and we need you stuff need to, to break, break our stuff. You need to break our stuff so that we can break your stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It is, it is a call for breaking things that needs a purpose to drive it. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, knowing that they fucking did that goddamn Jesus Christ. Uh, Limp Bizkit's uh, music video for Roland filmed atop the South Tower of the World Trade Centers won the MTV Music Video Award for Best Rock Video yep. on September 10th, 2001. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. Yep. God damn it. Uh, this is my thesis. The, <laughs> this is my closing argument. Yes. The Also, the day before 9-11, they received a letter. Fred Durst said they basically got a letter from the uh, World saying, Trade don't, Center don't saying, go to, go no, to work tomorrow. saying, <laughs> just saying thank you for letting them be a part of a video that just won a VMA. Look, so they basically true. None of them are Jewish, <laughs> to my knowledge. Wes, no, probably not. Um, no, he's like a sweet or something. Fr- Fred had that letter framed. <laughs> Short for Fred Durstein. <laughs> uh, um, Fred had that letter framed. I mean, he, that is an uncanny letter. He had the letter framed. And he said uh, to uh, have those people, I believe like the World Trade Center staff, to have them embrace me and let Limp Bizkit spend 22 hours on top of the World Trade Center doing what we do and for it to be taken down. The structure itself means nothing to me. <laughs> I don't believe in that structure being a symbol of power, of pride, of America. What means something to me is the people that were killed around and in the building innocently sure. for no reason except hatred. It overwhelms me. I thank God the night we were on the World Trade Center was wasn't the night they decided to do that. Well, would I it, mean, yes. <laughs> that would have sucked for you. I mean, can I take it back it to the beginning? It would have been kind of funny. My and initial would have been much lower casualties because I think it was would probably empty, there would have been nobody in the building. But can I tell you, uh, I'm still the same guy I was 13 years ago. My initial first thought of is, would have been a sick music video. <laughs> <laughs> they could have kept the cameras clear, yeah. I would say the helicopter, just yeah. circling it. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. I think yeah, that there I'm is imagining that. a credible argument to be made that that video winning the VMAs the day before uh, the the September 11th means that Limp Bizkit's Roland is the last biggest pop culture like uh, appearance of the Twin Towers. Yeah, basically. Oh, oh yeah, be. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm sure there was stuff that was filmed because I think they made the music video in like the previous like summer of 2000. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, they scrubbed it all. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember that there was the the teaser trailer for the first Sam Raimi Spider Man. Oh yeah, he builds a web. He but- builds a web between the two towers that catches a helicopter full of bank robbers. Mm-hmm. And they, it came out after 9/11, and audiences were just booing it. Yeah, and then they immediately shelved it, and like anything that was in the movie. Really I think you're right. The the last like in, kind of intentional yeah. portrayal. Because you have to imagine if you were watching the VMAs on TV on September 10th, and this when this video went, wins, they're showing these clips up yeah. on the VMAs. That's and like, ju- and you're just thinking, ah, the Twin Towers. There's classic towers. Those classic towers. They'll always be there. Yes. <laughs> um, the uh, Fred and I think Wes Borland did an interview where they basically, I would say their mood, this was uh, a cu- maybe tw- 2014 with a, 
uh, enemy and they they seem sheepish. <laughs> I would say that they seem a bit they know what because they, they know what they did. <laughs> they um, know that they did a dark ritual incantation. But Wes Borland said, "Boy, did the video for Roland backfire." Oh God! Um, they knew it. He, <laughs> he said, "After nine eleven, everyone stopped playing Roland. No one wanted to see it, and neither did we because uh, they know what they did." Nine eleven was was blowback for Limp Bizkit's Roland. Yep. <laughs> That song goes so hard, it's though. Really uh, and you know what? It's a positive message. Keep rolling. Keep rolling, yeah. Uh, a lot of Limp Bizkit songs go really hard. Break stuff. Break uh, stuff. Decide me. It's, it's dark implications in Woodstock 99. Owns. Oh, oh, no. Well, that's great. why I was able to get all those fucking chaches to destroy that entire stage. It's kind of crazy how many songs were created before 9-11 that are perfect to blast in a tank before you go yes. and, like, raise a city. And they were. <sighs> I'm guarantee you that Roland was... Blasting in and the they, as they rolled into Fallujah. Fallujah, uh, Fallujah, yeah, absolutely. We, okay, so this is Drowning inter- Pool, Let the Bodies at the, the Floor, came yes. out in May of 2001. Yes. Yep. They kind of like, I think you're so right in that they create, they sort of spoke this mood into existence. Yeah. Uh, yes, we were joking on the tour, and then I was also cho- or in Providence, I was also joking with Molly about uh, Donald Trump's uh, theoretical plan to introduce ketamine to the soldiers. Yes. And how, uh, you know, once our super soldiers are all uh, ketted up, that instead of, you know, rolling into Tehran and APCs, blasting stuff like Drowning Pool, it'll, uh, you know, it'll be like the Marine solemnly, uh, you know, putting on his helmet, getting ready in silence and putting on his earbuds and you just hear him hear... uh... (laughs) Chill War. Yes. Uh, uh, instead of Generation Kill, uh, our new generation of super soldiers is Generation Chill. <laughs> uh, God, there's something even more perverse about that. Yeah, right? Yeah. Not a bunch of just list out dudes raising a city. Yeah. Because <laughs> at least at least that like martial aggressive music is is speaking, you know, a hot blood. Yeah. This right. is just absolute numbness. Well, yeah, you just imagine them total dissociation as yeah. they just like with their like video game screens over yeah, them. Yeah. It, it's all in like that green night screen. It, the targets appearing and they're just like listlessly shooting. Yeah. Very dark. Very grim. Shit. But this is the future. Fuck, you're right. Anyway. Damn. Um, Damn, it do be like that. Limp Bizkit, great, great request. Really, really enmeshed into into the story of 9-11. You would also ask about the band Cake. My favorite band. The only band who I consistently bought the albums. Because pretty much every album track is is good on Cake's song. It really is. That was the thing is I got it for the distance because I heard it on and I thought that song slaps and I was willing. I liked it enough. I was willing to roll the dice. And I was like, damn, these actually all are great. Yeah, every, all the first four Cake albums has, like, like, each of those albums has, like, maybe one song that's just okay. Yeah. And all the other ones are, like, great. Absolutely. And, and I went and bought them all after that. Yeah. yeah. So two, two distinct bits uh, from Cake. One is on their uh, Wikipedia article. Cake had planned a tour of Europe, uh, followed by a series of shows around the United States, but in view of the September 11th attacks, chose not to travel overseas. Everyone is fucking scared. They're, they're scared of the planes. Private planes going to get hijacked? And let me follow that up with the most 2001 sentence I might have ever read. Instead, the band streamed a performance internationally from the Yahoo headquarters in California playing emailed requests. 
just like, <laughs> welcome to the 21st century. Oh, my God. In like 144p resolution. Just innovation. Truly, yes. they were living Innovation in the that excites, yeah. They always dreamed of. <laughs> yes. There. It's like, we can't go to Brussels, but... People with certain kinds of, of high speed dial up modems in They're Brussels. just watching this just fuzzy ass, blocky <laughs> John McRae with his bucket hat on. Tinny coming through tinny speakers. And then being like, Oh, I emailed them my request of short skirt, long jacket. I hope they play it. <laughs> yes. Yes, they will uh, play it. Yeah, this is, well, this is yeah you gotta email requests for the real B sides like uh like uh, Jolene. Yes. Um, what I like about this is it reminds me of that Lonely Island song about like disaster preparedness where if you never go outside then nothing bad will ever happen to you sure and like you could be a band who just lives quite literally like in a in a tunnel like underground just streaming Streaming. things for people and just never having any harm come to you that'll happen soon yeah in the next does seem like the next step in the next five years there'll definitely be some absolute like Hikiko Mori uh, SoundCloud rapper that goes against doesn't that go against the new emerging parrot like financial paradigm of music where the only way you get paid is by touring? touring. Right. Yeah. You would basically so. have to become a, like a streamer. You'd yeah. have to become like a Twitch musician, yes, which exactly. we talked about before. So they would have to be, you'd have to be like getting bits and shit. There yeah. is also, there which is already, could, if you were good, people like There is already yeah. a micro genre of that where you, where people like music producers Twitch themselves actually making the beats, like yeah. the process. You're just like watching them. Like you on their MPC. Yeah. I, I haven't actually tracked this down and fi- found any good ones about that. If anybody has any good suggestions, you know, hit me up for who <laughs> I should be following. But that's like basically that. And then the live performance you're watching is watching somebody build a song. Somebody explained that and said, told me that they watched, that there was one they watched. I don't remember who it was, but he said, yeah, he'll just watch them build a beat yeah. over the course of an hour or so. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would watch that. That's a terrorist-proof method of making songs. Yes, for now. Until the cyber crime. Yeah. Oh yeah. Until until the terrorists make fear.com real. Exactly. Um, the second cake anecdote. There is an absolutely insane piece. I'm gonna have to. I'll have to look up the name of the author. This is written for um, the Austin Chronicle in November 2001, and this guy is basically just exploring how 9/11 has affected like music and pop culture. And he picks out the reason I even found this in the first place when I was just Googling cake band 9-11. So he I'm just I just need to read this uh, uh, verbatim. Take uh, John McCree of cake, for instance. Why cake? Well, in one of the more peculiar September 11th after effects, cultural critics descended from Central Park West to declare the death of irony. Seriously. (laughs) I remember that. Graydon Carter, the editor of Vanity Fair, wrote, I think it's the end of the age of of irony. Oscar party. Bad bad food restaurant. The bad food restaurants. Uh, (laughs) And covering up for Jeffrey Epstein. Yes. Uh, so again, why cake? Well, if irony really is a casualty of 9-11, wouldn't they be the first band in the unemployment line? It's true. Yeah. Irony is what they do, after all. Uh, on the other hand, the fact that Cake's latest album, Comfort Eagle, spawned the moderately successful single short skirt long jacket while the band is filling mid-sized venues goes against the proposition that irony is dead. Still, getting the band to comment about such a prima facie, am I pronouncing that right? Prima facie. Facie, thank you. A ridiculous proposition seems relevant. So this writer has basically just started contacting PR people and being like, how does John McCree feel about not irony. <laughs> but also And about irony dying. <laughs> yes. Uh, a publicist for Columbia Records, the band 
Brands label claimed, <laughs> claimed that McCree was not inclined to talk because he feels that, in her words, politics doesn't have anything to do with the band. That's fine, but McCree was solicited not for his thoughts on politics per se, but on irony. Irony vis-a-vis the terrorist attacks and the music biz. After informing me that an interview on any related subject wasn't likely, uh, the publicist then felt to, compelled to explain that when McCree sings that he wants a woman with a short skirt and a long jacket, that's precisely what he doesn't want. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, uh, yeah, said, publicist, irony, yes. said publicist did have one pertinent piece of information, however. She disclosed that the second <laughs> single from Comfort Eagle was changed from the title track because people at the label, quote, felt there were too many references to religion in the Middle East and the song had too much of a military vibe to it. You can dress up like it. a sultan, sultan in your, your onion, onion head hat. hat. That song rips. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, hmm, guess she was right. Politics isn't having an impact on cake after all. Mm. How many levels of irony are we at now? Boom. This is this is a weird piece because yes. this guy is just basically going batshit, being like, "How do you feel about 9/11? How do you feel about irony? Like, yeah. just emailing people in a blitz." This is Comfort Eagle off uh, the, the eponymous song from the album. Okay, uh, titular. This is an interesting post 9/11 s- single. It oh, seems yeah. like it's a, a song that would be written after 9/11, but you know, yeah. But that's the kind of thing that's the sincerity irony. Is it sincere? Be- is it iron ironic before? 9-11 and then comes off as more sincere afterwards? I mean, the thing is, I think what it's, it's talking about is, is like the commodification of ideology and, yeah, and yeah. you know, like the, the, how personas are now just invested with, you know, uh, 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 everything everything that we think of as our identity is, is sold to us. Yeah, I mean, that's no from, their, from their first album. That's like rock and roll lifestyle. Exactly. Too. And, you know, that's not irony is the thing. It's like yeah. how we, it's like how Chapo gets called ironic all the time. Yeah. It's mm. like you use irony as a dramatic device, but a lot of people who, who I think honestly just don't understand humor at a certain point, they think of it as like an all-encompassing ideology. Like it's, irony is, it's like you actually don't believe in anything and you actually think, you know, that, that nothing means anything. But no. really, no, irony is a device. It's not a worldview. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Cake is a perfect example. Like, their songs have an, I use irony as a device to make a point. I mean, this song is coming from a, a real grounded idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this song is in its own way. I mean, they're goofy, but this is like a polemic against a certain type. Exactly. Of thing. Like, like, they he clearly has a have a point. That, there's a point of view to this yes. song. Yeah. And that's true of all of their, their songs. And he's funny in it and has good funny phrases like onion head hat yeah but and he has that his tone is ironic but he clearly cares about something exactly, going on here. yeah too and bad your Austin Chronicle writer couldn't get a straight answer out of him yeah it's too bad we could but, use and, and, and you know what here. and you know sounds what sounds like it's, it's due for a follow up maybe we can get a quote I remember when all those fuckers said the irony's dead and now look back and like how'd that work out yeah right how, how did that how did that continue how long was that moment yeah it was like basically it, I think it, honestly I think the moment I think that the death of irony lasted until the release of Daryl Worley's "Have We For- How uh, Have We Forgotten" or "Have You Forgotten?" Yeah, like when uh-huh. that song came out, and it was such a just insulting piece of treacle. Wait, uh-huh. Which one is that? That anybody who was still committed to earnestness as the new, you know, thing. It's the like, oh, if this is what it means. Yeah. If I have to accept this shit, then no. Yeah. Uh, irony is still necessary. Yeah. Which what which post nine eleven song is this? Is this booting your ass the American way? No, this is have have you forgotten by Daryl Worley? I don't know if I remember. You don't this remember. One. This I don't. One? I don't remember. Let's this. listen to it. I hear people say we don't need this war, <laughs> oh. but I say there's some things worth fighting 
Damn right. <laughs> what about our freedom? Yeah. What about them? Have you considered it? This piece of ground. And and our ill-gotten lands. Nope. Nope. They say we don't realize the mess we're getting in. <laughs> Before you start your preaching, let me ask you this, my friend. Have you forgotten how it felt that day? Oh, yes, uh. this song, yeah. And your children blown away. Or people blown away. And here it is. It's coming up. Here it comes. Here it comes. We had neighbors still inside. No, you didn't. You're from Tennessee or some shit. You had no neighbors. We worry about bin Laden. Have you forgotten? Wow, he rhymed bin Laden and forgotten. Yeah. That's wow. pretty and now clutch. It's important to remember what when did that came out? I'm fairly certain that's two thousand. Probably oh four or three. Yeah, let's see. Uh that was not about Afghanistan. That was about Iraq. Yeah. And there's literally saying, you think this is a bad idea. This is good to stabilize the Middle East. But don't you remember the feeling of 9-11? And it's self-consciously saying, we're going to just smother all of your critical thinking in just reactive emotional connection to this horrible moment. And you're going to use that. And it's like, if that's the sincerity that we're supposed to replace 90s ironic detachment, Fuck off! No, no yeah, thanks, yeah. pal. No, thank you. Like yeah. it, I'd say that one even more than uh, the, 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 the because Keith. that one is so absurdly bombastic. Yeah, that <laughs> it's like I don't think anybody. It's kind of campy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I mean, he wrote it. He called his album "Shock and Y'all." Shock yeah. and Y'all. Like, I mean, it was it was ironic in its own way. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this is pure, just po-faced, trackily earnest, mono- emotional manipulation. In the service of an illegal blood-soaked fucking imperial adventure. Uh, yeah. This album came out, uh, or song single came out March tenth, two thousand three, which yeah. I believe is yeah, yeah. Like mere that's, days. That's the literally day. when the Iraq War invasion happened. So it had nothing to do with Bin Laden. Yes. <laughs> Don't tell me you're telling me not to worry about Bin Laden. But Bitch, he was that night in Iraq. He's counting on people to not know the difference. difference. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which is amazing. And it's like, sorry, I'll take irony over yeah, that yeah, shit. Yeah. Hearing that definitely takes me back to a time when that shit was so much more prevalent. Like yeah. the idea of the opposite of protest songs, basically. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, there was also a Clint Black hat one about uh-huh. the Iraq. That was explicitly about the Iraq invasion called Iraq and roll. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. God. Iraq and roll. Oh, Iraq and roll. Lord. Yeah. Uh, where, yeah, they're just holding little war pennants. Like war is good. Let's do it. Oh, this is bringing a, up a uh, playlist. On, I, I don't think <laughs> I can find this. I'm sure it's going to be. Uh, I'm sure that it is going to be all just like drowning pool. I think as soon as as stuff like that, like that, uh, uh, have you forgotten song or or stuff that treacly sincere, yeah, uh, came out and and asked you to take it seriously. I think that distance between 9/11 and when those songs started coming out, which is probably like what three months, four months, that yeah. is the only period that like irony was really dying. And then yeah. as soon. As you're confronted with something like, like, have you forgotten? You're like, there is no other choice. Or that fucking Alan Jackson song, Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, because <sighs> at a certain point, you have to choose a side. One, one is to either yeah. either be, be like, we must treat 9-11 as the most important day in the world history yeah. and a singular insult to the greatest nation on earth. Yeah, and if you're not thinking about it every day and getting yeah, yeah. upset, you're not a patriot. We, I mean, yeah. obviously, we, we all, coming from our perspective, 
have a, a presumption that we would respond, no, we don't want that. But so, a lot of people made the opposite choice. Famously, Ted Cruz said he well, he was liked rock and music until 9-11. And then he became, and a, country then he became a country fan because they respected 9-11 more. Yeah. Oh, my God. You had also asked about Ice-T. Did yeah. you know anything about his what his ideas toward 9-11 might have been before asking? I think I might have forced this one on you as yeah. we were I having the suggested Ice-T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, I, I don't remember why. I don't remember why. Yeah. I okay. Do, do you know anything? No. I just I wanted to know what any of those like controversial rappers of the oh right yeah because so, he did write cop killer yeah. yes exactly so ice and, and you know what muhammad atta was a really good cop killer <laughs> <laughs> one of the best wow yeah ace ace work yeah. um so ice i don't think has ever gone on the right re- like it had an official interview at least not that i can find where he comments on 9-11 but he uh he takes to twitter right uh, and he's so nine eleven Twitter uh, super user. He's a yes. poster. He so nine eleven last year, twenty eighteen. Uh, he tweeted this. He said, "It's nine eleven. Uh, dot dot dot. I actually saw the towers fall from my apartment window that morning. Dot 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 dot. Respect to all the victims and people who lost loved ones." Uh, in twenty fourteen, he tweeted and said, "Nine eleven. I watched the towers fall with my own eyes from my balcony. You can't ever forget that." <laughs> Dot, 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 respect to all the lost lives. And then two years before that, in 2012, he tweeted, today is 9-11. I can remember personally watching the towers fall from the window of my crib in NYC. Crazy, dot, 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 a very sad day. <laughs> so that is how Ice-T has been processing 9-11, is yeah, yeah. intermittently tweeting about how he watched the towers <laughs> fall from his He's crib. Like, he was like, just thinking about all the, the musicians who were like, the fucking Strokes and Moby and Ice-T all... Be, uh, the TV on the radio, yeah. all being like in their various New York City places and just watching this thing happen and be like, "Damn, that's crazy!" Damn, I'm never gonna forget that. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's that's the uh, entire analysis of um of uh of of Mr. T. Yeah. Not no, not Mr. T. Mr. No, Ice T. T. Uh, uh, I I heard from a good source of somebody who worked on uh, Law and Order SVU that his preferred casual name on set is just Ice. 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 You don't refer to him as Mr. T or Mr. Ice T or Ice T. You just call him Ice. Amazing. Um, the only other mini, before we just end by talking about the benefit concerts, uh, th- did you know that there is a band uh, that started in 1999 called I Am the World Trade Center? Yes. No. I remember that because I remember the thing of like, yeah, they're fucked. <laughs> um, they, they, the, in the same uh, Austin Chronicle piece, they talked about um, that they interviewed that band and they were basically just like, oh, shit. <laughs> like at, fir- they, at first they kept trying to play under that name and then wow. they saw they saw a review. Respect. They saw a review that was like the unfortunately named I am the World Trade <laughs> Center. It took them. It took seeing that for them to realize that might be a bad name to hang yes, on to. Yes. Wow. Um, and these are this is like a synth pop uh, band that like makes computer music. And so they, they eventually change, they change their name to, uh, I am the world, which sucks worse. And now then they, um, get get away from the, I am the thing. They are still together and they have gone back to, I am the world trade center. (laughs) What do you know the year? Uh, cause that might, that, that would be the year that in which we can start sometimes forgetting. Yeah. Uh yes, I right. Think that, I think that was the year that the first people in nursing homes started forgetting about nine eleven. Um, the the other uncanny bit. Do here's you guys remember little, the? Here's a little bit of I am the World Trade Center. Bring oh, it some on. Bleep blorps. Bleep blorp. Bleep bloop bloop bleep. bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs>
Blurp, bleep, bloop, bloop. Blurp, bleep, bloop. I'll never get the bleep blurp music as long as I live. That's just, that's, that, not, that ain't music where I come from. <laughs> you got them dang computers in there. What happened to, what happened to a dang guitar, perhaps, or drum set? <laughs> this is from 2001. This is like, is kind of like a knockoff, like, stereo Postal, lab or, or something. Or like a pre-postal service? Yeah. Yes. Blorp, bleep, boop. Blorp, bleep, boop, bleep, 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 bleep. Well, you know, props to I Am The World Trade Center for, uh, for really, uh, uh, gr- White knuckling it through through nine eleven with trying to hang on to one of the worst names for a band. I've yeah, heard it recently. sucked. Like all versions it of before. that suck. Just yeah. like get a new, take a chance to start over. Yeah, yeah. Call it Muhammad Atta. <laughs> Muhammad Atta and the uh, and the pilot school. Yeah. Um, how Dro- are you- <laughs> Muhammad Atta and the pilot school dropout. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're at one twenty two. Okay, great. Then I think we can we can move uh, into our the benefit concert zone. Yeah. Um, there were three benefit concerts uh, in the immediate aftermath of 9-11. There was the concert for New York City, which is the one that I watched um, one Friday night, I think. There was America Tribute to Heroes, and there was United We Stand, colon, what more can I give? Um, <laughs> this, If anything, these benefit concerts really just show how absolutely batshit the state of music was in 2001 yeah. because you had all of these sort of like cresting mature bands from the past like three decades who were still trying to like hold on to relevance. Yeah. And then you had like Maya. Yes. <laughs> or, you know, I think was Black Eyed Peas, they weren't quite there yet. I think they were inspired That's by That's before they got Fergie, I thought. Yes. Yes, yeah. when they were still an issues band. Should we just can we can I just give you a, a, a quick rundown of of the lineup for Please. for one of these? Please. Concert for New York City might be a little too long. Yeah. Uh, do um do, Oh wait, I do want to find the Do America find tribute to heroes. Uh, one second. Let me see if I can Okay, I, I don't think that I'm going to be able to find a clip for this, but I did want to point out that perhaps the funniest performance in any of these is at a the the concert for New York City. Adam Sandler did perform live as Opera Man. Uh, tributing the fallen years of 9-11. I vaguely remember that. I really say, really wish like we shout could have out found Giuliani something. or something. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he probably did. Rudolph. Yeah. So we got in in a tribute to heroes. This is your mixtape. Bruce Springsteen, Stevie Wonder, U2 with Natalie and Bruglia. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the that's the 2000, the 2001 jumped out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Faith Hill, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Enrique Iglesias. Playing hero, tribute to heroes. Tribute to hero. Neil Young singing John Lennon's Imagine. Alicia Keys. Didn't the Clear Channel pull that song off of the radio? They did. Because of the No Heaven shit, and they put that in there? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's uh, maybe Neil Young's patented, uh, you know, uh, stick it to the man instinct. His classic Pono instinct. Yeah, yeah. That was him, right? Pono? A different, a different kind of streaming service. Oh yes, yeah. oh yes. No, that was a little device that played super, super uh, yeah. high quality. Oh right, because he's one of those psychos. He's about like the only audio fidelity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. an audio quality guy, and he's a he's a model train. He guy. can't hear anything at this point. <laughs> <laughs> he a fucking break. He's been playing rock music for fifty years. He's, he could like just hears like a vague hum. <laughs> he's gonna tell me that oh no, this sounds much richer than that. Fuck you, dude. Uh, <laughs> you can't hear shit. Uh, Alicia Keys. The Goo Goo Dolls and <laughs> oh, Fred. God. Uh, oh my God! The Goo Goo Dolls with Fred Durst and Wes Borland playing Pink Floyd's "Wish You Were Here." Damn. Uh, we got Billy Joel doing "New York State of Mind." 
which I looked up on YouTube earlier, and the best part of that video on YouTube is the comments on that uh, are extremely predictable and that every single one of them is, as you might imagine, New York City, best city in the world, baby. Number one, baby. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Uh, Billy Joel, best songwriter ever. Billy friggin' Joel. New York State of Mind, best song written by a city ever, about a city ever. That's one spicy meatball. Um, We got got Dixie Chicks, soon to be canceled. Pre-canceled Dixie Chicks. Uh, They should have just just shut up and sang. Am I right? Dixie Chicks, perhaps, I don't think we're going to get too much into that, but in our current cancel culture, Perhaps the only pop culture people ever successfully canceled from the right. Yeah. Yes. I can't think of somebody else who. But that was the. I guess that was kind of like their bread and butter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, yeah, like a they, leftist pop star will never be able to be canceled by the right. But yeah, they yeah. were working with the. Yeah, yeah it's because they states. were. It's because they were in the country. Yeah. yeah. Milieu. Um, They're also just about to be uncanceled. Um, they've are, been working with Jack Antonoff, I think. Oh, shit. Um, gosh, which is Jack another... Antonoff. I mean, yeah. we actually, we didn't talk about this. Jack Antonoff, 9-11 definitely ruined his life. Oh, yeah? He's never gotten over that. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's like a Jersey guy. Oh, because and his, with, his dad is a 9 Oh, wait. No, that that's another? that's Pete Davidson oh, from yeah, yeah. Uh, SNL. No, he just took it really hard. Okay. Can um, get over it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's quick rundown. Uh, Dave Matthews, Wyclef John. Mariah Carey also performing a song called Hero. Yeah, that song that song goes. Bon Jovi playing like a living on a prayer. Yeah, perfect. Shell uh, Crow, Sting. Wait, it was an acoustic version of Living on a Prayer with two guitars, percussion, and a and violin. Shell uh, Crow, Sting, Pearl Jam uh, with Neil Young, Paul Simon doing Bridge Over Troubled Water, very touching. Uh, Celine Dion, God Bless America, and Willie Nelson. Canadian. Canadian yeah. singing again, God like bless the, America, like the uh, Irish coming in and being like, "We, we accept you into the nation of God, people." God bless America. That song sucks ass. Yeah. Is that the last song? <laughs> no. Then Willie Nelson and the entire uh, accompanied by a Los Angeles-based ensemble singing "America." See, America the Beautiful is good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they they made, did a good job there, not ending on that dog shit song. Yeah. God bless America. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching the New York, the concert for New York city and just kind of noticing how everyone had to just be so careful about the arrangements of yeah. their, like nothing could slap too hard. <laughs> nothing could like yeah, really we can't get bang. Too excited. Yeah. Everything yes. was super like tender. That's why, that's why Prince was not at any of these. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> too, too sexy for yeah. going to get, he's going to get too horned up. Yeah. He's yeah. going to start like really rollicking. And that it's is like, th- that is inappropriate, sir. Yeah. I guess what, you know, as we're winding down this, I think the thing that I'm taking away from all of this is the, uh, is maybe uh, just observing the very quick, very specific contraction of al- of allowable feelings yeah. in, yes. in the post event. And like one of the things that music does best, popular music does best, is like outlining the um, the cultural breadth of emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and just seeing all these people being immediately like. You know, it maybe is is displayed in like, oh, we can't tour to Europe, but it really is in this in this sense of like, oh, now there are things that we can and cannot do. Yeah. Yes. And which is and also coming off the chaos of the late '90s, which like in pop culture, pop culture in general, like you really could kind of do whatever. Yeah. Britney Spears was freaking writhing around with a dang old snake. You, or like, wait, I'm just thinking of um, all the all the. The, the South bands? Park guys taking acid and then going and dragged to the Oscars. Wasn't yeah. that yeah, a late yeah, 90s yeah. thing? That, that like, I feel like there was so much more it pop was, cultural was, chaos yeah, and then it just got totally... Ultra decadence. Yeah. 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 And then and everyone Dial had back. to be serious for a while. Yeah. And then like what it 
did to music is like very very quickly even if that even if all the stuff we were talking about like the 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 rap rock stuff and uh what was like the soundtrack to generation kill Mm -hmm. like very quickly that stuff all disappeared Mm -hmm. and we got the like new indie aesthetic yeah which, we got the new pornographers, baby. The new pornographers, which like literally, I mean, they go. Those guys were, <laughs> those guys were waiting in the wings, literally watching September 11th happen from New York City, like ready one year later to be like the focus of rap music. It's really incredible to think of that shift in, especially rock music, mm. of Limp Biscuit on top of the World Trade Center. At, to the World Trade Center's literally being like collapsing while the Strokes. Or Moby, yeah. watch it happen from their New York City apartments, or, or TV on the radio, watching yes. it from the street from the streets of Brooklyn. Uh, that if that's not a metaphor for the 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 rock flip in the early two thousands, yeah. I don't know what is. And then it, uh, and then it died eventually. I mean, rock and roll died then in like the next ten years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's hard not to put nine eleven in there somewhere is responsible for it. Yes. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it feels like. Yeah, you're right. You know, it, it was it was getting it was as sort of emotionally prolix and and uh aggressive as possible and then it kind of got all right now we're all going to be like little like ironic yeah. uh, uh garage bands yeah yeah and then <laughs> it's like well where do we go from here you, you know and i guess there was just there was no interest in them trying to go back up again yes and so they just kind of just kind of and now yeah led it, off to nothing yeah and, and now it's basically jazz <laughs> uh, well yeah well there's there's still like there's still big rock bands but they're largely like chill or anxiety uh ridden like the two two ones that we that are like big rock bands right now that Molly and I talk about are like Molly just saw Tame Impala sold out two two nights at the uh, at Madison Square Garden if yep. that's not a big rock band I don't know what is headline almost every single festival this year uh and they're extremely chill extremely chill they are, they're the tame impala was the song that i played for my my theory about generation chill and it's also it's it's like one guy it's not like a you think of a band yeah, as yeah. like a, a well, like collection yeah, of yeah. controlled chaos of like personalities bouncing off mm-hmm. each other and like tame, tame impala is like one guy who's like a control Wait a freak. Minute, that bleep blurp uh, no no, chill no. Sh- no the chill shit was tame impala that's what tame impala sounds like that's not rock and roll <laughs> Guitar it's music. guitar music. I it's don't psychedelic guitar music with a, a strong backbeat. It's it's rock music. Get out of here. Uh, or a band <laughs> like uh, Twenty One Pilots. Who I don't I don't know if you you know fairly well, but Molly has described them, uh, which is a big rock band that tours right now. But Molly has described them as a, a like sublime, but instead of chill SoCal vibes, it was keyed up Midwestern anxiety. And so, like again, we stripped the aggression out of music, replaced it with uh, like indie coolness for a little while. I mean, this is just in rock music. Pop music is another beast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And now instead of ramping it up to something bigger, it's, it's just like high instead of aggression. It's like high key anxiety. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's like ASMR being like the most popular thing right now of like this idea of like having slightly anxious music that's supposed to calm you. Yeah. That's what, you know, that's, I mean, that's just Drake in a nutshell in a way. Um, I'm just, just a couple more things to point out in terms of like who's sort of made it out of the bet, like of all the benefit concert people, like who's managed to kind of hold on. I mean, all of the names on the, the concert for New York City people are basically still around. But like you had uh, John Cusack introducing a Woody Allen short film. 
Uh, <laughs> you had Susan Sarandon gave a speech. You think of think of how mad people would be if oh my god right now. Um, Hillary yeah, a Clinton, completely different group of people. Yes, though. a completely different. Hillary group. Clinton introduced a Jerry Seinfeld short film. I, well, the New York baby, New hey, York, yeah. we what do we love? We love uh, we love uh, Jews who have sex with teenagers. That's yes. what we love about. That's what Manhattan is all about, baby. Uh, Bill- it's Jewish men having sex with high school girls. <laughs> That's what this city's about. That and the classic slice. <laughs> a classic slice and a debauched, perverted Jewish artist having sex with a high school girl. <laughs> uh, very telling that Hillary Clinton uh, opened that. I'm sure that that was part of her angle for that Senate seat, right? That was her being like, hey, I'm well, a She already had it. When did she get when that? Did she 2000? Get 2000. Oh, okay. 2000. So yeah. she, was, she was representing she was her, she was her like, state. She was, so that was her being like, hey, I... I'm still a New Yorker. Yeah. Well, remember that in 2016, that was her excuse for all of the bidding she did of Wall Street Mm -hmm. because she said, I was the senator in New York after 9-11 and I needed to help rebuild lower Manhattan. Well, sure. Which means that we had to- Yeah, because all the money from Wall Street was going into uh, like grant funds for uh, redevelopment of of lower Manhattan. Yeah. And people's mesothelioma and stuff. My favorite from this is uh, Kevin Smith with a short film called Why I- uh, Fucking, I assume it's a bunch of uh, you know the the hash or the yeah. the symbols. It's a swear, yeah. indicating a, a swear. A why I word. blanking? Why I love blanking New York, featuring opinions of Jersey. That <laughs> 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 they run out of New York centric artists that they had to go to fucking Kevin. <laughs> Where was Scorsese? Scorsese's here. Okay, good. Uh, Scorsese and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio introduced a short film. Okay, good. Um, they had a. They also had a nascent Jay Z who released the blueprint on 9-11 yes. and he performed uh, uh, Izzo, H to the Izzo, V to the Izzo. Wait a minute, I'm confused. Yes. I thought if your album came out on 9-11, it ruined your career. Well, well Jay-Z yeah. has managed to somehow kind of uh, weather the storm yeah. by, I guess, I don't know, putting out better music than Will Afford Whoa, did, perhaps. shots have been fired. Uh, yeah. Will Afford. Uh, Spike Lee had a short film, Come Rain or Come Shine, featuring the New York Yankees and fans. That's oh, when the Yankees, and also the Yankees were extremely good. They went to the 9/11. World Series uh, that fall. Yes. And I, everyone else was rooting for them. Yes. And I was like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Fuck the Yankees. <laughs> I was rooting for the stupid expansion Diamondbacks <laughs> because they weren't the Yankees. Yeah. And when they won, I, I remember watching Game 7 and they won. And I was like, yes, fuck you. I don't give a shit. Uh, I will. This is my. That's w- why I was against the Iraq war because I was. <laughs> everyone who rooted against the Yankees was for- in the 2001 World Series is against the Iraq war. Um, <laughs> this is my one and only sports opinion. If you root for if you are a Yankees fan or actively root for the Yankees, uh, you are a chump. I think that's fair. You can, you, but I say I that as a Mets dispensation fan. for some New Yorkers. But yeah, certainly anyone who lives outside of the, God, the, the Mets- up outside of New York is an honest pervert yeah the Mets also did not feature in any of these post 9-11 remembrances which is uh an insult to me personally um that's fucked up um anyway so yeah uh (laughs) 9-11 guys it was a hell of a day it was a hell Hell of a time a day that will live in infamy indeed I think that we obviously know the political fallout of 9-11 uh we're still living in it oh yeah Um, but you know I think the cultural fallout is is very is equally interesting to track uh, because it's certainly when you see the broad strokes of the 90s and then what became of the first decade of the 21st century, you can't help but think that there was some kind of inflection uh, there. Absolutely. But the thing is, with culture, it's always hard because we're living now in like the fourth or fifth backwash of responses and reactions to yeah. things that came after 9-11. Couldn't have happened in the absence of 9-11, but are also distinct 
trends on their own. And so you can't even really tell anymore. Yeah. Yes. And now you're also getting the first wave of uh, pop star. I mean, Billie Eilish was born in 2001. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Which takes us, you know. 9-11 musicians. Yeah. The oh, first wave of like teenagers boy. who were born after 9-11, which is even wild to think about. Yeah, I mean, well, it's like the, the first few lines of the show Euphoria. Yeah. Where Zendaya is like. I was born three days after 9 11, yeah. and things didn't get better from there. <laughs> and that's why I like do a bunch of drugs. Yes. God, I'm um, glad I don't watch that show. It's awful. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's fun. Great. It's Sounds so like it's, absolute it's ass. It's so stupid. It's, it's, very, it's very campy. Yeah. Uh, it. it's very it's very fun and stupid. I, I wish I could have bought Ecstasy Hidden at a Pretzel at my school carnival when I was a teenager. Yeah, that's saying. true. They, uh, made it, they make it look so easy. Uh, yeah, but I think we'll, you know, continue to track. Like what, if anything, that says about the overall vibe of new music, I would say that there is a distinct, the younger that you get, there is a distinct track of nihilism in. Sure. We're all, we're back to like late nineties, like rage and, uh, uh, Billie Eilish even fucking dresses like a, like, uh, a new metal guy. Yeah. Have you seen a picture of this person? I I, like once she was wearing like a big formless white sweater or something. (laughs) She she looks like a fucking corn fan in 1999. Oh yeah, she does. She's dressing like yeah, she dressed like Fred Durst. Yeah, she absolutely dresses like Fred Durst. Wow, it, it all comes back around. Yeah, but it the does. thing is, she dresses like Fred Durst. But I've only heard a little bit of her music. But isn't it just like yes? She, it is. Very, it is very soft and whispered. But there is like a weird. Uh, there's an edge to it. There is an edge. I guess I just want some more. I mean, if we're all gonna be like a, like anxiety riddled and and filled with tension and like basically uh, cringing against some horror that's going to come that we can't we don't know what it's going to look like but yeah. we're certain it's it's happening which is sort of the opposite of the uh, of the aggression of pre 9/11 that is, we were seeking it yeah we, which was which was explosive and and raw but directionless yes. and, but also yeah, yeah. it was it was it was it was hearkening towards a calamity that was being sought yes yes subconsciously now it's cringing against something that is not sought, uh, but, but it feels inevitable. But feels inevitable, exactly. I guess Which is that's climate why, change. Yeah. I guess that's why everybody's just sort of uh, low energy whispering. Yeah. Because that's, <laughs> they don't want them to hear you. Because the anxiety is more low energy. Anxiety like Please that clap. kind of drains your reserves yeah. as yeah. opposed to being fucking aggro. Yeah. I mean, getting pumped up. Yeah. I've people said, need to get more upset. I want some fucking, I want, I want, uh, I want like a new Limp Biscuit. Uh, yes, yeah. that would be great. Or most preferably, Ra- a new Rage Against Rage the Machine. Machine. I mean, I've been saying Who's, this. Sorry, I didn't mean, I mean to hop on you, but yeah, yeah. literally in that clear channel memo of what to hopefully not play, yeah. all of Rage Against no Machine's Rage music. No Rage songs. Maybe that's Every too song. revolutionary. Maybe that's honestly why they stopped making music, where they, where they were like, we can, because they were hugely successful in the yeah. 90s, and then 9-11 happened, and they get literally the number one music broadcaster is like, actually, you can't play any of this band. And- they got in their bag at that point. They might have just been like, well, fuck, fuck it. it. If, they, if you guys, if, they, if we can't even get music on the radio, why would we even make music? But now fucking streaming exists. They could make their own streaming site and people would follow them. Rage, please come back. I'm begging you. <laughs> Rageify. <laughs> begging you, Rage. We need, we need it. Rage within the machine. It's, yeah, it's so interesting though because you think about Rage and you think about, because people say, uh, yeah, at the time those lyrics were kind of cringy and they were a little embarrassingly earnest. Uh, uh, but now you look back and it's like, yeah, it was very prescient. But even with that knowledge, I think the cultural context is stuff that if they came back and had that same presentation, people would still be like, 
dude, ugh, this is, <laughs> I know it's true, but yes. Yeah. Here's a weird thing is that, and this is something noted in all the like profiles of SoundCloud rappers. They perform like they're in new metal bands. It's like shirts off, like yeah, d- Den- Denzel Curry or screaming. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it, I think that it would kind of fit in if they got the right partner partnerships and like presented itself in the right <laughs> way. I think people are ready for rage to come back or for fucking Denzel Curry to make a rage, a- rage album. Yeah. But it just has to be actively that dumb. Yes. Future Rage Against the Machines. You don't need to read, read theory. Just just do a bunch all of praxis, like, baby. hateful sloganeering. That's all you need. <laughs> Things that you can remember. Yep. Anyway, do we have anything else, Molly? That's it. That's it. In- and now I think we can all finally move on from 9-11. Yeah. 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 Dust off the hands. That's over That's with. That's it. <laughs> uh, with that imploring sure. uh, of Rage Against the Machine to reunite. Hey, when Bernie gets elected, uh, they call, can play the inaugural inauguration. Hell yeah. Uh, Cardi B rage against the machine. That's the, that's and fish. the bill and fish. Come yes. on. You got it. You got to shout out the, the Vermont roots. It's Vermont's only band. Yeah. So you do fish can do the national anthem and it can take like nine minutes. You do Cardi <laughs> first to do like a whole set and then rage comes out and does like three songs and then Cardi raps over rage as like a, a signal. That's like the climax. And then you just have book the mall for the next 15 hours and be like fish do your thing yeah everyone can come down yeah <laughs> uh sounds like a sounds like an event to me bernie hire me to be your event your event planner <laughs> anyway uh matt molly let's move confidently into the end of this episode i think we okay. solved the 9-11 problem yes i'm glad uh, i feel better now in culture anyway matt thank you very much for joining us thank here you. thank you for having me anything you want to plug other than no. I feel like I'm just mostly asking this out of obligation. Yeah, no. Just like uh, every artist responds to 9-11, out of obligation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, nothing to plug right now yeah. except for, uh, for the, the, the show we go shit. to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, Molly, do you have anything to plug? I have nothing in particular to plug. Neither do I. It's a fallow period. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back soon with more episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at andintropod or send us an email at andintroducingpod at gmail.com. Our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. And remember to subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, rate and review uh, and leave your conspiracy theories about 9-11. Yeah. Let me know who you think uh, did it and at what temperature you believe steel beams melt. Yeah. And, but, you know, in a, in a positive way. Uh, <laughs> with, yeah, with a, a high-starred review, ideally. High star Pair review. it with that for the algorithm. So I think that's it. I usually te- tease more fun stuff coming up after this. I honestly don't know where we're going after this. Oh, I know where we're going. Oh, where, where are we going? We're, go- we're going somewhere. Do, do we want to tease it? No. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> well, uh, Molly has a roadmap for us, uh, just like Sebastian Bach's roadmap to Canada. Yeah. Uh, and, and I promise we won't stop in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Excellent. Unless it's for a really good reason, <laughs> like a drink. <laughs> all right. Thank you. We'll speak to you all in another two weeks on the next episode of And Introducing.